Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Grace Church on Wednesday night. It's great to have you here with us on campus. We're glad that all of you could be here. And for those of you that are joining us on Facebook or via live stream, welcome to you as well. Just look at your neighbor and, and your favorite neighbor. Give them a real big smile and tell them you look good. Yeah, that's good. Should have some encouragement on Wednesday night. Amen. So let me give you just a few announcements. And uh, before pastor comes this evening for Bible study, a few things that you need to make note of. Uh, first of all, men, we want to remind you that this coming Saturday at 9 a.m., we will have men's prayer in the A Center. So those of you that can join us for prayer uh, Saturday morning, we would love to see you at 9 o'clock. Now, special note, I've been talking a great deal about family night outside and a chili competition, and I'm looking forward to all that, but there has been a change of the date. Uh, we have postponed that, pushed it back by a week, and the reason for that is that there's going to be a pretty major athletic celebration and other things going on across the street. Uh, on uh, this coming Saturday, and there was just some concerns that it might um, be a bit distracting and possibly even drown out and make it hard to hear uh, some of the things that we were doing over here. So we decided to push that back a week. So please make note of that Saturday, November 6th, will be family night outside, and that time remains the same from 4 to 7. It's going to be a busy weekend. So we've got family night outside on Saturday night on the 6th, and then on Sunday, November the 7th, First of all, we'll be honoring our veterans in that service, and also Brother Stephen Collins will be with us and speaking in our 11 o'clock service, and um, we're definitely looking forward to having him, and also, <laughs> please make note of this, that daylight savings time does end, so remember to set your clocks appropriately uh, for that Sunday so that you don't um, kind of mess up a little bit whenever you roll into church on Sunday, so please take care of that. And as always, you can stay tuned with whatever's going on here at Grace Church by clicking on the events tab on our webpage. And if you haven't already, we would like to encourage you to download the Grace Church app. It's effective, it works, and it's easy. So uh, if you don't have that app, go ahead and download that and uh, put it on your device, and you will always be up to date about the things going on here at Grace Church. I'm looking forward to Bible study tonight. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've just discovered that I need the Word of God in my life. And uh, we have a great setting here, uh, just community together uh, with family to be able to open up the word of God and hear what it is that he wants to say to us tonight. So God bless you this evening as pastor comes. Great to see everybody here tonight. And I am thankful the storm passed over and we were able to have Bible study. We several concerned folks texted and said we have in church tonight. And I just took a step of faith and said yes. And uh, by the time we got to church this afternoon, we got here about six o'clock, the sun was spattering through the clouds. So I'm glad we didn't cancel. I'd have felt pretty silly sitting at home on my patio with the sun shining across my backyard. Uh, I'm glad you're here. Thank you so very much for coming. In spite of the weather forecast for today, we appreciate it very, very deeply. Oftentimes when <clears throat> I come to the pulpit, um, I choose, uh, it's kind of a, a 
something I, I, I like to do sometimes is to try to pass on to you my demeanor or posture towards what I'm about to present. Sometimes I come to the pulpit really excited. Sometimes I come with a lot of passion. Sometimes I come with a lot of burden. Um, it just depends on how I believe the Spirit of the Lord is moving and directing my steps. I'm going to give you a little headway uh, into a segue into this presentation tonight. Several months ago, um, it's about three or four months ago, I don't expect you to remember. But it was a Sunday, and I asked you to help me pray about something that the Lord was dealing with me about. And um, I believe you did. And what I was, what was in my mind at that time, I just never felt the go-ahead uh, from the Spirit of the Lord and, and how all of that works. Uh, it's maybe a mystery to some, but um, to me it's usually pretty simple. God nudges to go in this direction, and we do. And if he doesn't, we don't. Um, I want to be very careful in, in this presentation tonight, and, and God knows I've had a number of months now to to prepare, to mold this over, what have you. And um, I've not come tonight to condemn or to be offensive. I've come tonight to cause conviction, to cause people to think. There will be people here tonight that this presentation will not be applicable to. And I think it will be pretty obvious when I get into it as to who you are. I'm mainly tonight addressing all of our parents who still have kids living at home is who I would like to address tonight. However, that being said, we have a lot of grandparents here tonight that are very influential with their grandkids, their kids and grandkids and whatnot. And I want to present this from the very depths of my spirit with everything I have. very burdened tonight so if you don't feel like this is applicable to you I'll leave that between you and your family you and God etc I'd like to read tonight from Genesis 22 beginning with verse 1 and it came to pass after these things you all know this story that God did tempt or try Abraham and said unto him Abraham and he said behold here I am and he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his, his ass, his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off and Abraham said unto his young men, Abide you here with the, with the ass, with the donkey and I and the lad will go yonder and worship. Everybody say worship. I want to stop right here and say God said in verse 2, Take thy son thine only son, whom thou lovest. 
and offer him as a burnt offering. I would call that a sacrifice. But Abraham called it worship. Everybody please listen. And he said, and we'll come again to you. So Abraham took the wood of burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together, and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there, laid the wood in, the, in, in order, bound, his eyes, bound Isaac his son. He bound him. And laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called out unto, called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, saying, Thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket. By his horns, and Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. I want to talk to you for a few minutes tonight about the journey from sacrifice. Not the journey to it, but the journey from it, the journey away from it. Again, this is primarily for parents who still have kids living at home. And I've not come tonight to condemn anybody. I've come to convict. I want to present to you tonight an article that was sent to me by Michelle Grohn several, several weeks ago. And I believe this is why the Lord halted me several months ago because he knew this was coming to end. Every person, I'm glad our students are in here tonight, our young folks, I want you to hear this like to for you to help me remind your parents of this I want to talk to you tonight and in, in presenting this journey away from sacrifice I want everybody to notice tonight with all of your heart with all of your might with all of your mind the impact on kids of dad's faith and church attendance According to LifeWay Research Group, Father's Day is the holiday with the single lowest average church attendance. Father's Day is st statistically lower than Labor Day, Memorial Day, and even Fourth of July. This is interesting, especially when you consider that Mother's Day tends to be the day with the third highest church service attendance after Easter and Christmas. So Mother's Day is one of the most highly attended Sundays of the year, and Father's Day is one of the lowest attended services in a year. What does this tell us, the article asked. Scott McConnell, who is the director of LifeWay Research, gives this assessment. He says, clearly Mother's want to be present for the affirmation that is typically offered in most churches, but families also are present knowing their attendance will honor their mother. The attendance difference between Mother's Day and Father's Day is telling, McConnell said. Either churches are less effective 
and affirming fathers or families believe Christian fathers don't value their participation in worship services. Surely there are other factors involved. The, the, the article is being very honest, including travel and the time of year. On Mother's Day in May, school is still in session. Father's Day, it isn't. So families travel to visit relatives or go on vacation. A lot of people are going out of town on Father's Day. But all these factors and statistics aside, here's what's really striking. When you see the research on the impact of a dad's faith and practice on their family. According to data collected by Promise Keepers and Baptist Press, if a father does not go to church, even if his wife does, only one child in 50 will become a regular worshiper. If a father does go regularly, regardless of what the mother does, between two-thirds and three-quarters of their children will attend church as adults if the fathers go regular. Between two-thirds and three-quarters uh, three of their children will attend church. If a father attends church irregularly, between half and two-thirds of their kids will attend church with some regularity as adults. If a mother does not go to church, listen to this, if a mother does not go to church, but the father does, a minimum of two-thirds of their children will end up attending church regularly. In contrast, if a father does not go to church, but the mother does, an average two-thirds of their children will not attend church when they're grown. I want everybody to think about this. Our kids are doing amazing right now. We have Our JV team is rolling. Um, they're all over this building. On Sundays, on Wednesdays, they're used. It's amazing. But what are they going to do when they're adults, when they go to college, when they get married, and they're not under your roof anymore, what are they going to do? According to this article, daddy attending church on a regular basis is critical. It's critical. Another study focused on Sunday school found similar results on the impact of fathers attending church regularly. When both parents attend Bible study, in addition to the Sunday service, according to this second study, when both parents attend Sunday service, 72% of their children attend Sunday school when grown. When only the father attends Sunday school, 55% of the children attend when grown. When only the mother attends Sunday school, 15% of the children attend when grown. When neither parent attends Sunday school, only 6% of the children attend when grown. Another survey found that if a child is the first person in a household to become a Christian, if a child converts first, 
there is only a three and a half percent probability everyone else in the household will follow. If the mother is the first to become a Christian, there is a 17% probability everyone else in the household will follow. However, if the father is first, there is a 93% probability everyone else in that household will follow. That's the role of a father in the home. So the point of all of this is dad's impact on kids' faith and practice is huge. So to all of our dads here tonight, please let me encourage you with these words. That Moses spoke by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost to dads of the, this new generation we're living in. When he said, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. And they shall bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and to be frontless between their eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. This information I just gave you, uh, we're going to have copies of that in the lobby Sunday. And I would like every family of Grace Church to take one home with you and keep it somewhere where you can read it often to any dad at Grace Church that thinks you have no value. The devil has lied to you bigger than you can imagine. We all know the story of Abraham and Isaac. <clears throat> we all marvel at Abraham's ability to do this task that I would call sacrifice. Abraham called it worship. When God dealt with me a couple of months, several months ago that I referenced earlier in this presentation, prior to that, I'd, I've always wondered ever since I've heard the story of Abraham, and particularly when I became a father, I thought, how in the world did that man do that? How do you do that? I, I respect the fact that, that God told him to do that. But <laughs> to me, until just a few months ago, I just, I just don't know how a person could do that. My thinking has changed in the past few months. I don't think this is as hard as we all think it is, and I'm going to tell you why. Because whether we realize it or not, the minute our kids are born, we give them or sacrifice them to something. It could be worldliness. It could be sinful things. It could be a bad example. It could be exemplifying in front of them bad marriage, bad relationship. It could be a cheating dad or a cheating mother. It could be alcohol, nicotine, drugs, you name it. Whether we realize it or not, when we raise our kids in a toxic environment, whatever it is, you're putting them on an altar 
today. We can behave negatively as parents, giving them a bad example. We can manifest a bad, or a bad attitude or a bitter spirit. We can even be unforgiving. And we can teach our kids to be unforgiving like we are, whether we mean to or not, but we're putting them on an altar of unforgiveness. We can be uncaring and do the same. We can be unbelieving. I don't believe all that stuff the pastor teaches and put them on that altar. I don't believe we all realize, and this is my purpose here tonight, we don't realize how our actions, our attitudes, and our lifestyles is putting our kids on an altar to be sacrificed to something. I believe God meant, God meant what he said in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6. You teach your kids, teach your kids, teach your kids, teach your kids. I'm, I'm thankful to see Brother uh, Richard Taylor here tonight. And we have three out of four of his kids that attend Grace Church that are grown adults. All of their families are in church and their kids are in church that are old enough. But I've come to learn after Sister Sandra's passing, his wife, that they, the, the, Kelly has told me this over and over and over. The other daughter, Shelly, that uh, lives in Melville, um, Darren, Ryan, they've all told me that their mother and their daddy used their house as a platform to teach their kids something of value pertaining to spirituality, to priorities, to what's necessary, to what's necessary. They, they did this all the time, but they didn't do it in a pressure way. It became dialogue. It became conversation. They presented it to them where they just, the kids just kind of, they took it all in. And, and that's their one great memory of their family. Not only did they do it for their kids, but there were other teenage people that would hang out with their kids that loved going to the Taylor's house because they enjoyed the same thing. They got a lot of direction. There was a lot of wisdom, nuggets, these kind of things that were shared. The thing that I'm concerned about is I'm seeing a trend in our society, in our church society, if you will, that most parents don't take this spirituality thing seriously. There's, there's not a lot of value. Uh, it's not a priority. It's church is just kind of somewhere you hang out twice a week and you meet up with your buddies and all that. But it's not being passed down to kids, to their kids, as fervently as the Bible teaches it. And I've given you proven statistics as to what happens to your kids when you don't. And everybody needs to understand that. Listen, this, just, this hit me yesterday in, in preparation, just going through this over and over and over. It is interesting to me that Abraham's greatest trial that he faced in his life involved his kid. And his kid got to be a living, breathing witness to how Abraham responded to the voice of God in his life. If Abraham failed every test after that, he got this one right. I, want, I find it interesting to me that in Job's trial, we all talk about Job's trial, Job's trial, Job's trial. 
one of the last things he lost was his kids. It's interesting to me. His kids got to watch Job up to the very last minute of his trial. After he lost his kids, the next thing that happened, his wife turned on him and said, won't you curse God and die? But up until that point, they got to watch their daddy weep and sob and cry and say, God, what's going on? What's going on? But they got to watch their daddy's faith never falter, never turn aside, never give up with everything that he lost. We've had people attend this church in times past that left it because Sister Murphy didn't shake their hand. And then you wonder why that person's kids are not serving God. Our kids witness everything we do, especially the quality and quantity of our spirituality and how much of it we value. Let's retrace Abraham's steps. Look at what he brought with him to sacrifice Isaac or to go worship God with Isaac bound to an altar with a knife raised up over his shoulder about to cut his throat. Abraham called that worship. That's how much he adored God. I will give you my son if you ask me. And I will give him to you at whatever expense that it cost me. But he took with him a couple of donkeys, firewood, fire, Isaac, a couple of people to help. But he only brought back one thing with him from that moment of worship. The only thing he possessed when he walked away from that time of sacrifice was his son. I want everybody in this building to listen to me. I love, I love Grace Church. You people know that. Sister Murphy and I love this church. We have poured our life into this church. We love every family. We've seen people come and go and, and all of that, and you all know that. But if I can impress you on you anything tonight, whatever it is, that God chooses for you to go through and experience in this life. Whether it's the death of a spouse, Brother Richard, loss of a job. If pastor offends you, if church people offend you, if you lose your job, if you lose your home, if you lose your finances, for God's sake and the sake of your children, would you maintain a proper attitude towards God? So your children can witness that. It will teach them the value of having a relationship with God of their own. The only thing he brought back from his worship session with God was his sacrifice, which was his son. It's important what we bring with us when we want to sacrifice to God and to his kingdom. There's people here every Sunday, every Wednesday that sacrifice their talent. We have people on this platform that could be playing instruments virtually anywhere in this country they wanted to. We have very qualified, very professional people 
that bring an incredible gift and talent to this platform every Sunday morning. You could play in country bands, rock and roll bands, jazz bands, whatever you want to do, but you have chosen to give the totality of your sacrifice to God and to God alone, and I applaud you for that. There's people that give their time to the kingdom and to Grace Church. There's people that give their money. There's people that sacrifice money. There's people that's given a lot of money. But what we must understand, and whatever sacrifice it is that God calls us to, we must include our kids. They have to understand that our love for God, our loyalty to God, our allegiance to God, we love him so much that we are going to give out of our bank account. We're going to give things out of our home. We're going to give, we're going to give, we're going to sing, we're going to play, we're going to teach, we're going to serve. And we want our kids to see that model and exemplified so that when you come down from here and when you move into away from your areas of service, you still have your kids by your side saying, you go, Daddy, I believe in that same God you do. You've taught me how to believe in that same God you do. They should never be excluded. Sister Murphy and I had one of the most amazing moments in our pastoral life when it comes to money. Somebody several years ago gave a very substantial offering, called us to their house. And the man of that house that I love dearly told his son, Go get that envelope and bring it to pastor. And he looked at me and he said, I want my son involved in this. Never forgotten it. My response when I opened the envelope, and of course you have to understand the, the pastoral posture. When somebody hands you an envelope with something in it, you put up a wall about like Jericho because you don't know what's in that envelope. It could be we're leaving. It could be anything. And I sat there with all the discipline and all of that that I could muster. And when I opened that envelope and saw what was in it, I got so emotional, I got up and left and walked out of the room. I couldn't maintain my composure. But I've never forgotten that in that moment of tremendous, tremendous sacrifice, this dad included his son. Abraham could have brought anything and everything he wanted to to that altar but had his kid not been there it would have been a fruitless vainless trip do you understand what I'm talking about does anybody understand me here tonight do you understand by, by Abraham obeying God that it changed Abraham's life I'll come to that in a minute it changed Isaac's life and it changed our world one man obeying God and included his kid. But had Isaac not been there, the trip would have been in vain. It didn't matter how much talent. It didn't matter how much time. It didn't matter how far Abraham traveled. It didn't matter how much he brought up to the top of Mount Moriah with him. None of that mattered. If his kids wouldn't have been there, the sacrifice would have never been complete. So as important as it is to go sacrifice to the Lord, it's equally important what you bring with you when you leave 
it's customary in the Bible that altars stayed at the place of sacrifice. You, you leave the altar there. It's a place that was often returned to, especially in the Old Testament, for rededication, commitment, direction, and even fresh revelation. Abraham's altar experience that day changed him. It changed his family, and it changed the world forever. That day, in the presence of his kid, he got a revelation of God. He got an understanding of God's will and purpose for his life. He even saw, and I think this is so amazing, he even saw and conversed with an angel with his kid listening to the whole entire conversation. How amazing is that? But notice, none of this would have happened, could have happened, unless he had placed his son, his only son, and the son that he loved on the altar, built for his son. That altar was built to put his son on it. I want to divert for a moment, and, and I, I don't have much more to say. You all are getting the point. I don't have much further to go with this. But I don't think a lot of people nowadays understand the importance of, of what we call baby dedication Sunday. I don't think people understand what you do in that service. It's not a, a, a nice little warm, feel-good, cotton candy-based traditional thing we do and we used to do it every time a baby was born but now we have so many born all throughout the year we just we do them twice a year and it seems to be working well their kids your kids are no less dedicated in that format than otherwise but you have to understand parent parents that when you have a child dedicated to the lord you're placing that child on an altar theoretically that you've built and that child is going to grow up in your home and see mom and dad ex exemplify Christianity at its best. <laughs> we had a family that came a couple of Sundays ago, and the dad approached me with his little one-and-a-half, two-year-old son, however old he is, and said, my son thinks you're Jesus. He calls you Jesus. I said, man, when he comes to realize I'm not, he's going to be sadly <laughs> disappointed and Jesus, uh, just saying, uh, we, got, we got a big laugh out of that. But you don't, you don't build the altar to pastor. You don't build the altar to church. You build it for God in that moment of dedication, and you put your child on it. Do you hear me pray, and I say it, and I pray it, and every baby that we dedicate in this church, we've dedicated a bunch of them, that God, these parents are coming, and they're giving your child, they're giving their child back to you so in my mind you've come up here figuratively speaking and you've constructed an altar and on the way up here your infant has a right to say mom and dad there's there's an altar up there where's the sacrifice and you look at them and say you're it you're the sacrifice and the beauty of the baby baby dedication service much like abraham experienced that day as you get to take your baby off of that altar that you constructed, back to the pew with him, with you, and have your child in your home for the rest of his life until he is an adult to exemplify, to exemplify in front of him 
all these amazing things about God and how much you love God and how much you adore God and how much you want to live for God and how excited about God. And they're going to see that every day, every day, every day, every day. Brother Richard, I wish you could understand what it's done to me to talk to your kids who are grown adults now and say we just we are who we are today because of our mom and dad. Most people say because of the church, because of a preacher. But the Taylor kids, in all due respect, say no, wasn't that. And I will share with you tonight, be very candid. I hope I'm not putting them on the spot or embarrassing. If I am, forgiveness is easier and permission anyway. But they have been through some disastrous church situations. Yes, they have. They didn't say that. I know it without them saying it. I've been born and raised in this area. But not once was that imputed to their kids. They built an altar, put their kids on it. Even when Sister Sandra reached the point where physically she couldn't even attend church, her kids kept going. They didn't quit because she did. God help us tonight. Please help us tonight. They built an altar, put their kids on it, took their kids back home with them, and they raised them in the beauty of a relationship with God. We give our kids to God freely. And we tell God in that moment of baby dedication that God, you can take their life, their future, and you can use it as you please. Let me make a very bold statement. If you do not intend to do that with your kids, maybe you shouldn't have them dedicated. When you have your child dedicated to the Lord, this is what I believe. That's why this service is so special to me on baby dedication. A lot of people take it for God, oh, it's just a baby dedication. So-and-so's coming up here with their eighth kid or whatever, and it ain't a big deal. It's a big deal to me. And it was in a moment of baby dedication that this whole thing started. And I've been troubled by many baby dedications through the years because I knew as pastor, based on prior family pattern. When these people come up here and say, we're going to give our baby to you, Jesus, because you gave it to us and we're going to give it back to you. They don't intend to do that. Not in this way, they're not. You put your child under a blessing, uh, under an umbrella of blessing, that if you do not raise them in the way the Bible intends, they never get to have the totality of that blessing. And it's not because of them. When you have your baby dedicated, you give them a gift of hope. You give them a gift of promise. And when you take them off that altar of dedication and you put them on an altar of a bad attitude and unfaithfulness and worldliness and sin and all of that, you are systematically robbing them of the blessing that was pronounced over them at their dedication. I don't think people understand Totally, and it's, 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 I take full responsibility because I don't teach these things. I like to believe people understand it, and I think it's obvious. But God has given pastors an authority, and, and pastors can bless things. Pastors can also curse things. Yes, they can. And when I pray a blessing over your baby, I'm not going through the motions. 
I want God to take your babies and make them into amazing people. Do you realize, does anybody remember here tonight what Isaac became? He became a well digger so that anybody going through a long, hot desert would have a place to water their animals and to water themselves and to all of that. Isaac became a well digger. Are your kids becoming that? We have a, JD, a JV team right now that are. They're digging wells all over this church everywhere they go. From the platform to the back, upstairs, downstairs, everywhere. Nursery, everywhere. They're all over the place. And I thank God for that. And I, I, would, I would venture to say that the vast majority of every one of these students, young people, have, was dedicated to the Lord when they were an infant. And their parents are living up to what they promised. We're going to have them in church. And we're going to give them back to you. If you trace Abraham's step to his altar, then let's trace his step from his altar. And I'm bringing this to a conclusion. When he left his altar, he brought his son with him. Nothing else is mentioned because nothing else was as important. Isaac experienced his dad's greatest sacrifice with him. He was that sacrifice and Abraham passed the test. Abraham may have faltered. Abraham may have faltered some in his relationship with God but not that day. And God showed Abraham the importance of his son. God showed Abraham the importance of his son early in Abraham's calling, and Abraham never forgot it. Nothing, nothing in our lives is more important than our kids. Our talent isn't, our money isn't, worldliness isn't, getting your way isn't, attitude isn't attitudes about life church family all that habits desires not your job none of that none of that is more important than your kids well-being and their relationship with God I've mentioned a number of times a number of times in the past that there's a huge difference in most families who attends consistently versus those who do not and I'll remind all of us tonight that we're living in perilous times and none of us can be less in our relationship with God today than we were yesterday. And I'm appealing to all of our dads, all of our dads, all of our dads, please build an altar to God. Put your kids on it and never call it sacrifice. Always call it worship. You bring them to church. You bring them to church activities. You do it. You may say, well, I can't, okay? Then don't blame your spouse. Don't blame the church. Don't blame the pastor. Don't blame God when your kids don't want to go to church anymore, when they're grown. Abraham didn't call this event a sacrifice. He called it worship. In conclusion, I had a conversation with somebody couple of days ago and <laughs> the last thing I want to paint myself up to be as a hero or a martyr but I will tell you the, and it wasn't my child it was my mother but it, it'll, it'll illustrate the point we had been in Youngstown for about two months starting the church when she was in a horrible car accident my stepdad was killed instantly his brains was literally coming out of his ears my mother was shattered from the top of her head to her feet. We rushed down as quickly as we could. We drove, didn't have the money to fly. I just got a job, didn't have any vacation. I took time off without pay. 
we stayed as long as we could. We stayed about five or six days. And after a while, I had to go back home. My mother was in a coma, and I hoped she heard me. She had no memory of it when she came out of the coma, but I told her, I said, Mom, I've got to go. I have to build a church. And I left her dying in the intensive care unit. Three weeks later, she came out of that coma, and God performed an amazing miracle in her life, and she ended up attending our church in Baker. The Palmers will remember that, perhaps. And I got to preach her funeral, and I believe God had a whole lot to do with that. I was able to do that because I was raised by those hardcore church parents. We didn't miss church. <clears throat> Y'all know what I'm talking about. I remember a specific Wednesday. I was about 12 years old. It was a specific Wednesday night, and I knew it was about a quarter to seven. We'd eaten dinner. Always ate dinner at 5 o'clock. We'd eaten dinner. Me and my brother would back outside playing, and I was thinking in my mind, we're not going to church tonight. That was a new experience for me, and I was happy about it. Not that I didn't like church. I just wanted to see how it felt to not go one night because I'd never felt that before unless we were sick. We were playing, having a great time, and I remember Mama stuck her head out the door. Y'all come in and take a quick bath and get ready for church. It's 10 to 7. Church starts at 7.30, and I'm like, oh, man. I just knew, just knew. I was raised by those kind of parents. You know what they did? They built an altar. We never had a lot of money, none of that, but they built an altar and put their kids on it, and they lived that life in front of us. My daddy wasn't a preacher, but he had four boys that were. Four out of six boys that turned out to be preachers. God honors that. They put their kids on an altar, and they believed it, and God used their kids and is still using their kids. Most of you know that when I prepare sermon notes, anybody that preaches in the pulpit, when they prepare their sermon notes, it goes to, to Casey, and she does all the slides, does a tremendous job with it. They're all down the hall on the other side of that wall and of past sermons and Bible studies and, and uh, for a lot of our, our speakers. When she saw what I was presenting tonight, she chooses not to read it. She would rather hear it live, but in this case, she read it. It's not a lot of notes. It's not that long. And so she said, Dad, I just, I have to share something with you. She sent me a, someone posted on social media somewhere, the man's name is Shane Pruitt. He had this to say to parents. Parents, one day our children will stand before King Jesus. One day our children will stand before King Jesus. And he will care little about their grades their batting averages, their three-point percentages, yards per carry, popularity, college transcript, or class rank. How are we investing in their soul the one thing he does care about? She sent me one more, and I'm concluding with this. Dustin Bench said, there is a 0 0.0296, 0.03% chance 
that your child will become a professional athlete. 0.03, 0 0.03% chance that your child will become a professional athlete. There's a 0.009% chance that your child will become a famous celebrity. There is a 100% chance that your child will stand before God one day. What are you teaching your kids? So I'm going to ask, I'll tell you what I wanted to do, and this is really what I wanted you to help me pray about. What I would like to do, and I'm not going to do it, first, I don't think it'd be taken seriously, B, it's not necessary, but it would just make the point. What I would like to do sometimes is have a parent dedication service. Instead of dedicating the kids, dedicate the parents. And go through the same identical formality. Give every parent still has kids at home a little New Testament. We'll give you a certificate that you've been dedicated to the Lord of your own free will and what have you. That's what I'd like to do, but I'm not. what I would like for every person here tonight and every person watching live stream, Facebook live, all of that. If you have never ever taken me serious on anything that I've ever taught or preached, would you please take me serious now? Your kids are counting on it. Thank you tonight. God bless you. Thank you for listening. You say, Pastor, should we have an altar service and everybody come up here and weep and cry and all of that? I would love for that to happen. But what I would love more is for you and your spouse to go home tonight and make a commitment and say, if there's things in our lives, in our home, and all of that that needs to be changed, they're changing now. And our kids are going to see a different mom and dad when they wake up tomorrow. That's what I'd like to see happen. on brother Richard okay absolutely we will do that I came back here so my mic would pick you up let's everybody stand I'll remind you tonight before we pray that I'll have a copy of these statistics. I'm asking every mom and dad to take one home with you and read it. And I hope that God will talk to our dads. Let's pray for our kids tonight. Let's pray for us as parents. And let's pray for the need that Brother Richard just expressed. Let's do that right now, shall we? Jesus, we love you tonight. We know deep down, we know with all of our heart that we are in your hands. We know that you're very kind, you're very merciful. We know that you're long-suffering, you're patient to a fault. But after a while, God, it's, it's up to us. The ball's on our court to step up to the plate to be everything that you want us to be. And I trust tonight, God, that I've caused no offense, did not come to offend, did not come to grind an ax with anybody. You gave me this put it together and I've presented it with all of my heart. I pray tonight for our parents 
especially those that still have kids at home, that we make the right choices, that we do the one thing that is the most needful, and that is to be an example of godly love, godly reverence, godly respect, godly devotion. I pray, God, that we can understand the importance, the value, and the priority of these things, and that we do it with all of our might, no matter what happens. God, the need that Brother Richard just expressed, you know all about it. You know, the, you know where this person is. You know what he's experiencing and feeling. Nobody knows that more than you. And we ask you, God, that you would, your, your holy presence would come down and that you would envelop this man, this family. I pray, God, that you would minister to them, touch them, heal him, preserve his life, that the will of God could be done. We pray that your presence be with us tonight, go with us tonight. Let the hand of God be made manifest in our homes, and we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Thank you for being here tonight. God bless you. You're dismissed, and we'll see you Sunday. We'll see our men at men's prayer Saturday morning at 9 o'clock.